At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. Welcome to Federal Ammunition's podcast, It's Federal Season. I'm Jason Nash, head of marketing for Federal, and I'm here with Jason Vanderbrink, our president, and a special guest today, Alex Robinson from Outdoor Life. He's editor-in-chief, and uh, we're really excited to have him here uh, talking all things magazine, hunting, conservation, trophy. We're going to have a great list of, of fantastic topics to cover today. So welcome, Alex. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. So a little bit about your background would be awesome to start out with, Alex. You know, um, I know you're you're somewhat local here and um, live right in Minnesota now. So um, how did you get started in the, the editorial industry and how'd you, what led you to outdoor life? Um, well, in school, I'd always, you know, been a writer and I grew up hunting and fishing. So after a while, um, you know, when I kind of like decided, was thinking about what I want to do, you know, go to college, pick a major, that kind of thing. It occurred to me like, hey, like someone has to work for outdoor life and field and stream and these hunting magazines, like that's a real job that someone gets paid for. So why not? Why can't I do that? Um, so uh, I kind of had that in the back of my head from the very beginning um, and went to journalism school, went to the University of Minnesota uh, for journalism school, had a background, um, like took some background classes in fisheries and wildlife um, and just kind of um, kept going from there, and then eventually I got an internship with Outdoor Life magazine uh, in my sophomore year, and everything kind of went from there. So when you when you talk about when you talk about journalism and in certainly, what would you recommend? Because you kind of get the best of both worlds. If you think you're a journalism major, but you still love the outdoors, you get you get paid for a job that you absolutely love anyway. What, what would be the career path that you would put on for someone? Hey, I want to I go into journalism, but I certainly want to still be involved in the outdoor, in the outdoor segment. Yeah, that's, um, that's a tricky one, and it's a good question. Um, there's kind of two different routes. Um, regardless, you have to be a good writer. You, know, you have to have that ability, and you have to have that training. Um, but the two different routes are you can kind of do what I did, which is, really focus on the media side you know like i was always into hunting and fishing and doing it on my own but there's a lot of guys out there and ladies out there who are a lot more expert you know expert shooters expert hunters than i am my expertise is in media you know that's how i was trained um that's what i've spent my career pursuing you can do that if you want to be an editor um which is my job you know we make the magazine um we think of you know, big picture concepts. We do editorial planning and have to th think about strategy and stuff like that. Or you can go um, kind of the other route, which like, if you just want to be like a freelance writer, like an outdoor freelance writer, um, you really have to dive into the subject matter head first. And at that point, I would say like starting out, 
try to get as much hunting and fishing experience as you possibly can and figure out ways for um for you to turn those experiences into stories you know that people will buy um or even run for free like um the best thing a young person trying to get into this the best thing they can do is just get experiences because every one you know makes you a little better kind of sharpens your skills and you need a lot of those before you can say, you know, pitch a feature to outdoor life. Like your first couple stories, you're not really, you're not going to be, you're not going to have the skill set yet. Um, so those are the two kind of tracks, you know, either think about this from like a professional media standpoint and the jobs there are tough, you know, it's ultra competitive. There's not that many positions, but they do exist. Um, or you can kind of go this freelance lifestyle, which is like, you know, that's a grind too. Um, there's, there's some real challenges there, but it's a little more open and free and you can do a lot of different, you can do a lot more things like kind of within that lifestyle, if that makes sense. So how would you, I mean, if you look at your resume, for instance, I mean, you started that outdoor life in 2010 and you're editor in chief of, you can certainly argue that outdoor life in our industry, outdoor life or field and stream are certainly the, the, they're the pinnacle of what, of what journalism is in our industry. So in a matter of 10 years, how do you go from a college internship your sophomore year from the University of Minnesota to, 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 the head, to the head person at Outdoor Life? How do you do that in 10 years? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's, uh, yeah, when you put it that way, it's kind of crazy. Um, I mean, it started with uh, I had some really good mentors. Um, the guys that I worked with, you know, Andrew McKean. Uh, Todd Smith in the beginning, um, they were really good. And I like purposely, you know, watched them and saw how they did, saw, you know, saw how they did the job, saw how they carried themselves. I read everything I could, you know, I still read everything that Dave Petzl writes. I read, you know, just because, um, that's another thing I would say, you know, for young people trying to get into this, if anybody out there is like read everything. You know, the bad stuff and the good stuff. Um, you need to know what's out there. Um, so I really, like, looked at those guys and tried to, you know, improve my craft kind of based off them, you know, the people around me who I really admired and thought were doing good work. And then, uh, honestly, I just stuck around long enough and worked hard enough. I didn't, it's not like I had any... It's not like I came in and they're like, wow, this guy is, this guy is going to be the next editor-in-chief of Outdoor Life. Like, I don't think anybody necessarily thought that. But you stick around at a place long enough and you work really hard for long enough and people start to, you know, people start to believe in you. You get a little more opportunity. Um, you get to present your ideas more often. They know that you're going to be there to do the work um, and you earn that trust over time and I guess like 10 years of that was long enough. That, that's awesome. So you're originally from Wisconsin, live in Minnesota, went to school in Minnesota. Was there a certain kind of hunting or fishing that really got you into it? I remember when I was first starting out, grouse hunting to me, living in Minnesota was one of my favorite things to do. And then duck hunting got me hooked. I mean, it's the only reason I drink coffee is because it's so great in the duck blind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Is there one yeah. like thing that got you started in the outdoor industry? Um, just like my personal passion, it was probably bow hunting. You know, uh, by the time I was 
a 14. I, I was 14. I killed my first deer with a bow. And that experience was pretty cool. Like that was pretty transformative of like, and it was a, it was a small, it was a nice small buck, you know, for central Wisconsin. And like I'd hunted really hard. I'd seen a bunch of deer and then I finally killed one at like 15 yards with my bow. And that clicked of like, oh, like you can spend a season kind of in the pursuit of this one thing. And then when it happens, like it's, the payoff is huge. And um, that like, that like kind of trials and tribulations of being a kid bow hunting, trying to figure it out really um that really hooked me as far as hunting goes um and now i I have gotten into a bunch of other stuff since then now it's kind of waterfowl hunting like i'm like you um i've got a bird dog and or a lab and that really like carries me through the fall i probably spend more time doing that more personal time doing that than anything else um but bow hunting in the beginning is what hooked me for for real for good when we talk about big brands like i said earlier outdoor life is in field and stream which is for our for our listeners is part of the same company but talk about what is core to outdoor life i mean it's it's over a century old so so what how would you describe the core of of what does your magazine have so outdoor life is really a magazine for american hunters and anglers you know there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of generalist magazines you know outside men's journal that sort of thing that appeal to our same sort of demographic and then there's a lot of very specific like hunting and fishing magazines um, that go really into maybe it's the gun side or maybe it's bow hunting or maybe it's just hunting but outdoor life um, represents i think what is um, you know kind of great about our audiences they kind of do it all you know like yeah, maybe you're like mostly a bow hunter, but you also like in love, you also love like walleye fishing or this, the spring crappie opener. And like, that's who we represent is like the men and women who really like enjoy the whole hunting and fishing experience. But we really focus specifically on hunting and fishing. Like if it, if it doesn't have to do with that, we're not going to be covering it. Obviously the gear around it, um, is important and conservation aspects of it are important but in the end it all ties back to those two things hunting and fishing so that's that's what we're about and that's what we've always been about alex so at outdoor life throughout the years has had some really iconic covers you know artwork photography just i mean things that people want to hang on their wall um what was your first experience picking a cover for outdoor life and and how does that process work so the, my first cover as, as the editor was um, our fall deer cover. And we ran a photo of a relatively small buck for what we had done in the past. Like we've run some pictures of some really giant deer, like 200 plus inch, like dinosaur bucks. Um, and uh, for this cover, we had a story um, that we wanted to kind of bring that world back to the regular, you know, we wanted to come back to like the regular deer hunter in America, you know, what are guys actually seeing in the woods? You know, what are they happy to shoot? Um, what is just kind of like a typical buck for the, the everyday deer hunter who 
maybe only has a couple weekends to spend gun hunting um, with his family. And, and that's good. Like <laughs> we need to, we thought like we need to celebrate that. So we, um, we went back and forth on that and we found a photo um, of a wild buck um, that had just a little bit of velvet, you know, kind of dried velvet coming off of his antler. Um, and it looked, just looked different. It just looked different and uh, striking compared to any of the covers that we've run in the past. And it looked really real. You know, I think that's why it looked so different because it wasn't totally perfect in any way. It was just looked like a real deer. And, um, you know, the way we pick covers is we have photo meetings um, where our photo editor will we'll kind of talk about it with myself and um, our editorial director and we'll kind of talk about what we want. And the photo editor will go out and I'll go to all the different photographers and get their shots and then I'll bring them all to a table and we'll go over all the different images. And um, in this specific meeting, we had maybe like a dozen deer photos and we everybody got to vote and take images away you know so you vote for photos you don't like you know get those out and we filtered them down and then we finally came to the last two and i got to pick the you know as the editor-in-chief i got to pick the one that we ran so that's good not everyone i think that's cool our industry sometimes wants everyone to think there's a 200 inch deer behind every tree when in fact the majority of of hunters a nice six point or eight point is realistic. So that's cool. I mean, a magazine like you guys run that, which, which is something that if I go out in the central Minnesota woods, it's something you're more likely to see. Yeah. I mean, the, a little bit, the, our, our mission or our, I guess, strategy I, is the best way to say it. Our strategy has changed. Like those really big deer covers, like that was going after newsstand sales. But frankly, like, that's not as important to our business anymore. You know, like our, our core is our subscribers. Like these are people who have paid to get the magazine again and again, and they subscribe for sometimes their entire life. So my mission is to think about those guys and be like, all right, what do our subscribers, the people who are willing to pay year after year after year for our magazine, what do they want to see? Um, and that, once you're allowed to do that, then things get really fun, right? Like you kind of just write whatever you think your buddies want to read. Yeah. No, it's got to be real. And you, you mentioned conservation is, is part of your DNA. Obviously, I think our industry, I talk about the, the shooting sports industry, we do, uh, we could certainly do a better job of promoting what the industry does for conservation. I think I met on our first podcast, 11% of all excise taxes of guns, ammunition, arrows goes to, uh, goes to federal excise tax. So, so I think hunters and shooters are the biggest conservationists in the world. And we certainly put our money where our mouth is through the FET. Uh, what, what does outdoor life, what is your view on conservation and how can we do a better job? What do we do right? How do you, how do you relay the message that, that, you know, to our, sometimes to our audience doesn't really know that we pay for conservation? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point, and it's something that we think about a lot. Um, I think outdoor life and print media um, in this space, uh, what we can do is, what we can do better than any, anything, you know, any other media, you, you know, your phone or a video or something like that, is we can bring people to a, a place and present them with an idea um, that is more deep. You know, like you, you can't communicate some of these conservation issues 
and some of these experiences in these places in a one minute video. But in writing, um, you can. With writing and um, you know, really um, beautiful original photography and uh, editorial package that is crafted uh, to cover a specific image, uh, a specific issue, you can like get into that stuff in a nuanced, thoughtful way. And by doing that, we can bring people, you can bring readers to the places that we're actually, you know, that we care about. That all those all those dollars that, you know, federal is paying through its excise taxes is protecting. Um, so our job at Outdoor Life, I feel like, is to bring people to those places and explain to them the issues that surround those places and give them, you know, kind of the inspiration and um, inspiration and knowledge to fight to protect them. You know, um, you know, we, we talk about um, supporting conservation through our dollars, which we definitely do, no doubt. Um, I mean, that's, that's math, that's facts. But we also um, support these places by being in them. You know, we're the ones who are out there in the field actually experiencing the place. Like so many, so many folks who I think talk about like environmentalism or conservation or whatever you want to call it, don't really have a real connection to the actual outside, the wilderness, the forest, woods, whatever. But... Um, you know, you're talking about Jason being a waterfowl hunter. Like, you talk about wetlands. That's a real, there's a real place in his mind. You know, a real idea in his head. There's a memory there about duck hunting in the wetlands. And that place is real for him. And that's true for all hunters. Um, so, you know, when it comes to conservation, like our job is to tap into that and then use that to get people to talk about the dollars and cents and facts and, and that sort of thing. That, that's a great viewpoint. It is very real, and it was very cold and wet, <laughs> but that's all part of the the experience and so and why I looked like like coffee. coffee. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, you, know, you talk about the photography and outdoor life. Recently, I've noticed has changed its format a little bit, and um, you know, really iconic again, iconic, but uh, beautiful photography in the magazine. What's different about the way you're going to market with the magazine now? You know, I don't know that it's really, I don't think it was necessarily like a, a, a totally different approach, but maybe just more like fully buying into what we were sort of already doing, which is just like trying to tell bigger, more immersive stories. You know, um, maybe like I would say eight years ago, six to eight years ago, we were still doing a lot of like kind of how-to tips and tactics you know, um, kind of photo illustrations, tactical illustrations on, you know, trying to do what a lot of magazines were doing at the time, which is just like being servicey, you know, like telling their readers how to do something. But you think about it now, um, you know, someone wants to read about how to, um, you know, how to scout for deer early in the season. They're not going, they're not like, oh, I'm going to go uh, drive to Barnes and Noble and like buy a magazine on how to scout for deer, right? They're, they're looking, finding that stuff on the internet. So they're coming to us for, um, deep stories, beautiful photography, um, thoughtful layouts. So that's really, we're just going all in on that stuff. Cool. And it, it's, it's gone to a quarterly, uh, publication now. Right. And I think, 
Outdoor Live Field and Stream, you guys have done a really nice job of multimedia content from, you know, I think you, you've really tapped into the evolving media consumption you know, behavior people. So that's my technical marketing hat, but um, no, yeah, I appreciate you guys that. have done a really great job with it. Yeah, we've put a lot of effort into that. That's a huge part of our content now. I mean, we publish more stuff, you know, more words. If you were to add up all the words that we publish, more of them go digital than in print. Um, and we have a bigger audience overall. If you add up all of our um, digital platforms, we have a bigger audience in digital than in print. So yeah, we are, we're definitely spending a lot of effort and resources on, on the digital side as well. So if you had a crystal ball, what does the future uh, look like for uh, outdoor life? Um, you know, I think that the moves that we've made um, are going to pay off. You know, we've, we've made this bet that quality content is going to be the future. Um, you know, that an audience is going to be willing to pay for premium content that really, you know, inspires them, entertains them um, versus, uh, you know, a different model that maybe would just be a lot of content that is cheap or free. Um, so I think for us, um, you know, that we're really happy with the quarterly. We're going to keep keep that going and uh, continue to evolve it. Um, and then on the digital side, the future is just growth. You know, we're trying to grow as big of an audience as we can and also grow a younger audience um, than we've had in the past. Um, you know, I'm 32 years old. I'm the editor-in-chief of this magazine. So I think that's in indicative of what the big bosses are looking for too. You know, they've, they've hired a younger guy to recruit a younger digital audience. Um, so hopefully that is in our very near future. I think uh, you look at content, you guys are cranking out some just fantastic content right now. And it's certainly, uh, certainly great that your, your shift and as the consumer has changed, outdoor life surely seems to be embracing that. So I think it's great for industry. I think it's great for you. I think it's great for, for everyone who's a, who's a subscriber, whether it be in print or digital for outdoor life. Thanks. With that, we'll, uh, we'll say thanks, Alex. I mean, it's a, I, I absolutely love your publications. Thanks for giving our listeners some insight of what is what is like to be a 32-year-old editor-in-chief of one of the finest publications in our industry. And we appreciate you taking the time this, uh, this afternoon to tell us and to our listeners about Outdoor Life. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Meet the industry's widest variety of game-changing ammunition. However you shoot and whatever you hunt, fortune favors the prepared. And nothing prepares you better than Federal Premium. It's a gold standard advantage delivered directly from the experts in premium ammunition. Find your Federal Premium Advantage today. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and our technology segment, Tech Talk. All right. Uh, up next on It's Federal Season, we have uh, Jared Cutney, who's our Director of Engineering for our Centerfire Rifle line. Uh, so, Jared, uh, we just completed SHOT Show last week, and uh, we introduced a new product that absolutely caught storm um, by all of our customers, and it's called Federal Premium Hammer Down. So, can you tell the listeners, what is Federal Premium Hammer Down? Sure. Yeah, this is a product that we 
set out to really design a, um, a line of ammunition that addresses real issues in the firearms that there are out there today. So lever guns are obviously really popular. They sell, they sell in, in great quantities. Uh, Henry Firearms is a, is a big partner of ours in this hammer down line. And we partnered with them to, to make sure that we have ammunition that works in their firearms, as well as firearms that have been out on the market for quite a long time. So there's products out there that try to address issues that don't really exist. And what we wanted to do is address issues that do exist. So one of the big challenges that we set out to address is feeding. Um, one of the challenges that, that the, the lever gun hunter will have is to uh, try to load their firearm, whether it's a side gate or it's a tubular magazine. A lot of times the, the rim will get caught on some of the geometries of the firearm. And what we set out to do again is to address that. So you'll notice on the lever, the lever ammo that we have, our hammer down ammunition, um, it has a reverse taper on the rim. So it acts as a guide. So when you take your inner magazine tube from a lever gun, it literally guides that inner, inner magazine tube and, and gently pushes it right over the rim of the cartridge when you're loading the ammunition. Same thing when you're loading in the side gate. It really eases the, the loading experience and, and creates a, a better feel for the, the end user. What you'll notice if you don't have things like this with a 90 degree rim is you'll have issues where the inner magazine tube will not glide over that uh, ammunition. And it really is, is a challenge. You have to manipulate the firearm, maybe wiggle it around and, and these types of things. And we've made a, a really good uh, solution in that. It's a very simple design, but it's something that we think is going to help out quite a bit. So what calibers are we offering uh, hammer down in this year? So we have 3030 Winchester, it's a standard lever gun product for us, of course. And we have 4570 Government, which would be another standard lever gun product. Um, but the others that we have are 327 Federal, we have 44 Magnum, and we have um, 357 Magnum, and we also have uh, 45 Colt. So those are, those are the lineup that we have this year. And then specifically related to those cartridges that were originally designed for handguns, we've increased the velocity, changed the bullet slightly, made them a little bit heavier in some regards so that we have better performance out of a carbine. So you think about a handgun and what the limitations are on some of the velocities in the handguns, we've really optimized the projectiles and the propellants so that when you're using them in a lever gun, you have the, the optimum performance. So when you look at 44 Magnum, if I buy a, a box of 44 Mag Hydroshock and, or Gold Dot, for instance, certainly, it certainly works in a lever gun, but the difference between Hammer Down and, let's say, Gold Dot certainly work both in 44 Magnums, pistols or rifles, but this one, so Hammer Down on a 44 Magnum, is just better, better suited for the longer barrel of the rifle. Correct. Yeah. So... You think about a, a 44 rem mag in a 20-inch lever gun. What we what we realize is that we can get more performance out of that longer barrel. So the propellant has changed. We've increased the weight of the of the projectile. So you think about a 44 mag, and typically that's a 240 grain bullet. We've increased this to a 270 grain bullet, and we're also getting more velocity out of that lever gun because of the propellant change. We've also done things to the, the jacket of the projectile to thicken that up to be able to address the additional velocities that you get from the lever gun as compared to a revolver. So really what we've done is for those pistol cartridges is, is taken a step back and looked at them and tried to figure out what can we do to really optimize the performance, whether it's the weight, the, the projectile jacket, 
to get very good accuracy out of the, the lever guns, but also increase the terminal performance effect that you would see out of a lever gun. So let's play that backwards. If I if I buy hammer down in a forty four mag and I want to put it in my uh, revolver, what what would the shooter realize? If you play it backwards from what we designed it for, mm-hmm. one of the one of the biggest uh, challenges that we had with this is to make sure we had backwards compatibility yeah. because in the end the head stamp is going to say forty four rem mag. Yep. So you're going to see you know a little bit of you know unburnt propellant potentially or or things like this. You know it's really optimized for a twenty inch barrel as compared to say your your standard four inch vented barrel out of a forty four mag. Um, so you're going to see you know not the same type of performance that you would see out of a two hundred and forty grain handgun cartridge. You know, but we will have, it will be a safely performing option for you. But as far as hunting goes, we would probably recommend that you go with a, a standard handgun load for 44 mag in a handgun, like a 240 grain fusion or, or something like this. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, explain to our listeners the partnership that we at Federal have with Henry, because uh, Henry certainly is the leader in lever actions today. Um, and and what, what did uh, the engineering group, such as yourself, work with, uh, work with the folks at Henry? How did that partnership come together and what does it mean for our customer, most importantly? Yeah, it was a it was a good experience working with the folks from Henry. Of course, they're right across the border there in Wisconsin. So we had the opportunity to go and visit them in person and really understand what the real issues are with lever gun ammunition and where the opportunity is to improve. So sitting down with them at a at a round table discussion, if you will, um, we decided that feeding was really a big portion of what this what this hammer down ammunition really needs to be. So that was where the, the ideas, the thought process of, of putting that reverse taper on the rim or radius on the rim came from just to address those existing issues. But then there's also the challenge of, of feeding, making sure that we, you know, through the, through the firearm when you're feeding one cartridge, you know, extracting and, and inserting the next cartridge into the chamber, we have uh, flawless feeding, but then accuracy and terminal performance as well. There's products out there right now that um, that don't perform. They uh, they expand too quickly. Don't get the penetration that we're looking for in order to humanely take animals. So they they brought that to our attention and we addressed that with the with the bullet design too. So it's really been a great opportunity to get the feedback that they see that they have from their customers and their own personal experience on how we can make improvements to the product. And again, make sure that we're providing them samples so that they can do some function testing of their own and, and validate the designs that we've come up with. Great. And uh, does the nickel case, I know it sure does look nice uh, when you open the box of ammo, does the nickel case help in anything or is it, is it just more or less a cosmetic, uh, cosmetic uh, advantage? I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's both, to be honest with you. There, there is the cosmetic portion of it that is, that's really, that's beneficial, I think, to the, the look of the product. But if you look at it from the standpoint of corrosion resistance, it does help with that. If you have ammunition that's been around for a while, sometimes you can see the brass cases become slightly tarnished. Nickel won't do that. It also does reduce the coefficient of friction of the, the cartridge within the chamber, so it's easier extraction, easier feeding. So I think that there's benefits of all of it, but I think all those three, all those three things combined really make this product stand apart. Awesome. Well, uh, I, I know uh, the feedback that we're hearing from our customers is this, this is an absolute home run. Uh, we, are, we are making it as we speak. That's right. Uh, it could be a struggle to meet the demand. It looks like. I mean, it's uh, it's certainly there are certainly millions and millions of lever guns out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is going to be a home run product. And and thank you again for coming up with it because I think it's we are solving a problem that really is is out there and really does exist. It's just not marketing spin. Exactly. So uh, thanks, Jared. Thanks for what you do for us. And next up, we're going to talk to Jason Nash, who's head of our marketing on our uh, news and notes segment of uh, it's federal season.
There's a time and a place for every season. This is that time, and these are those special places. When preparation gives way to anticipation, rituals, and traditions. Friends, family, forever. This is what you live for. It's time to celebrate the annual tradition like no other. It's federal season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. Welcome back to It's Federal Season. We have the News and Notes section now. I'm Jason Nash, uh, marketing. And uh, the show season's been busy for us, and there's no busier weekend than we have coming up here. In February, we have five shows between three consumer shows and two sales shows. We've got Pheasant Fest, National Wild Turkey Federation, and the Western Hunting Expo. All excellent shows, especially when we want to get in front of our customers and talk to the people who are actually using our products. Uh, you go out to the Western Hunting Show, which is a growing uh, show and opportunity. It's, it's really fun to, to look people in the eye and understand what they like about your products, what they don't like about your products, and, and really understand you know, what's happening out in the market and what, what's hot. So we look forward to going every year. We're going to have a, a really nice booth there. Uh, Pheasant Fest is here in Minnesota this year. And we've been uh, longtime partners of Pheasant Fest, and we are the title sponsor, so we're definitely excited. And uh, National Wild Turkey Federation, another great organization that gives back to um, conservation and helps grow uh, animals and, and access to land. So we're, we're really excited and um, definitely hear a lot of great turkey calling, and you'll, you'll go to sleep with hen calls in your head, which is kind of fun. Um, but anyway, uh, we also have an interesting show in. Europe in Nuremberg, Germany called IWA. It is the International Weapons Exhibition. And uh, that, that's another great opportunity for us to, the, the market in Europe is completely different from what we're used to here in America. There are different needs, different cartridges that people shoot. So uh, it, it's fun to talk to them and, and really understand what it is that makes them tick and what, what kinds of weapons they're using, what kind of firearms, what kind of cartridges, and really how we can help them, um, whether it's through language translation or making a different product specific for their needs. So it is Europe's SHOT Show in effect, and uh, we look forward to getting over there and bringing back whatever we can to learn more about uh, creating ammunition and making the best we possibly can. If you're looking for a great deal on Predator ammunition, we have Predator Payback promotion out right now. If you buy at least four boxes of select federal varmint and predator centerfire and rimfire ammunition, you'll get $5 back per box. It is a minimum purchase of four boxes required, maximum rebate amount of $100 or 20 boxes per person or household. Um, rebate is only available in, in the U.S. The Predator Payback promotion runs till the end of April. Check it out. And for coming events, Make sure to join us at the NRA annual meetings in Nashville, April 17th through 19th. And there's also a Ducks Unlimited Expo launching at the Texas Motor Speedway, May 15th through 17th. All right. Thank you for the update. So until we talk again, thank you. And remember that it's always federal season. If you like the It's Federal Season podcast, be sure to let us know. 
by filling out a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, for us, it's always in season. It's federal season.